Are you looking for a way to save a little money? What about getting your subscriptions under control? If so, then I've got just the solution for you. Rocket Money. With the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find a subscription that I completely forgot to cancel before the free trial was up. I'm sure you've all been there. And Rocket Money can help me cancel it. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting and kids subscriptions, it's hard to keep track of exactly what you're spending and how much it all adds up to each and every month. Not to mention the fact that it seems every single day one of those subscriptions suddenly jumps up in price. Rocket Money alerts you when this happens so you're never caught unawares. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With them, I can see clearly what my monthly spending is and how it compares to the month before, making saving money and taking control over my finances so much easier. They'll also try to negotiate lowering your bills up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll even deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season, where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building, and how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. They arrived, they found the telephone the electricity line. Described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. You hope when you hear stories of abandoned children that their adoption will start a life that has a happy ending. But on October 15, 1962, a boy was born and, soon thereafter, abandoned by his parents. And, while you would hope that his adoption into a large family would end on a happy note, it seemed to be a trigger for the man that would become the Beast of Bastille. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Guy Georges was born on October 15, 1962 in France, and when he was very young, he was abandoned by his parents. He was taken in by the French Social Welfare Services, 
while they searched for a foster family. When he was six, he was placed with a foster family and soon was adopted by the Morins. Unfortunately, according to reports, the Morins already had 11 adopted children, which left Guy feeling unloved and starved for attention. This lack of attention and stability soon manifested itself into violence and aggression. His first known attack was when, at 14, he tried to strangle one of his mentally disabled adoptive sisters. Just two years later, in 1978, he attacked another one of his sisters. His adoptive parents had had enough and, concerned about the well-being of their other children, arranged to return Guy to the authorities. Back in foster care, Guy was unable to control his outbursts and attempted to strangle another girl in February of 1979 before she was able to escape. This time, his actions landed him in jail, but only for a week. The constant rejection became too much for the boy, and he began to drink heavily to cope with his increasing depression. In May of 1980, he attacked again and, later that month, escalated his violence and stabbed a girl by the name of Rosalind violently in the face. Thankfully, both girls were able to survive the attacks, and Guy Georges was arrested again. This time, he served a year in prison and, upon his release, moved to Paris, where he lived in squats. While there, he committed petty crimes to survive and sank deeper into alcoholism. On November 16, 1981, just a month after his 19th birthday, he escalated yet again when he raped, stabbed, and left a Nathalie C. to bleed to death. She thankfully survived the violent attack. He kept committing violent attacks on women every couple months. Thankfully, all of these women were able to escape and recover. One of these attacks led to his arrest and 10-year prison sentence in 1985. But due to good behavior, Guy was able to leave the prison during the day as long as he reported back each night. One night, January 24th, Guy Georges did not return to the prison. Instead, he traveled to Paris and, while still technically serving a prison sentence, was able to commit his first murder. He spotted 19-year-old Sarbonne student Pascal Escarfel walking down the road. He followed her right up to her front door and, holding a knife to her throat, forced himself inside. He tied her up, raped her, and then slit her throat and watched her die. She was the first woman that didn't and couldn't escape him. A week later, he calmly returned to the prison and no one was the wiser. He was officially released from prison on April 4, 1992, and with his first kill under his belt when searching for a new victim, which he found on April 22nd. Unfortunately for him, this girl was able to escape and reported the incident to the police, and Guy was arrested yet again. He was released, and on January 7, 1994, he raped and killed Catherine Rock in an underground parking garage. Six days later, he did the same to radio host Annie L. on the patio of her own home. He struck again on November 8th when he killed Elsa Bonatti in her home and, a month later, did the same to Agnes Nitschkamp. The media, realizing that there was probably a single person committing these rapes and murders, called him the killer in East Paris. As his victim count rose, police worked hard to identify the killer. One of the women who managed to narrowly escape his attack, Elizabeth O., was able to give a description of her attacker. 
But when shown a photo of Guy George's, she did not identify him as the one who attacked her. Police had DNA traces, but nothing to compare it to. All in all, Guy George's raped and killed seven women and attacked countless others. His last victim, Estelle M., was on November 16, 1997. While the public panicked, police connected a number of their unsolved crimes to one perpetrator and launched one of the largest manhunts in French history. He was finally captured on March 27, 1998, and was arrested for four of his murders. When faced with DNA evidence, Guy Georges confessed to the murders he was arrested for, as well as three others. He attempted to escape in December 2000, but was caught and made to stand trial on March 19, 2001. There were 50 witnesses testifying against Guy Georges, some of whom were his victims, families of his victims, and even his own foster mother. Despite his confession, he pleaded not guilty and stated that the police tortured him to obtain his confession. The trial lasted eight days before he broke down and confessed to his crimes a second time. On April 5th, 2001, at just 38 years old, Guy Georges was found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment. It was later discovered that police had Guy's DNA on file for at least three years while the attacks took place, but for some reason kept overlooking it despite his criminal past. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on October 16th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there is always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy-to-listen-to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.